Station. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Can you win? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rajin Review Podcast. Nick, Jerry, and myself break down a few things going on in Cajun Nation. Uh, may have a few things to say about what occurred on Sunday uh, on both Diamond Sports. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode. So, like I said, last week, a week before last, uh, some of these episodes write themselves. And this is another one of those weeks where we get to come on here and uh, everything's basically already done for us. So uh, it'll be fun tonight. And I'm sure there are some opinions that need to be espoused. So if anybody out there has something that they want to say about Softball, baseball, golf, whatever. Um, golf currently competing in a regional right now, so we'll talk about that as well. If anybody has anything they want to say, we highly encourage you to get on the Twitter space uh, and let your let your opinions be known. But first, we're going to say hello to the boys. Nick, Jerry, what is up? Glad you could make it, man. I know it was a little touch and go over there for a while this afternoon. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, like uh, a Cat 4 started to roll across Mid-City Lafayette. It came out of nowhere. And it's funny because you live like right down the road from me. And like, like I told you before, we, we didn't really get much, but glad to see that you made it, man. That was, Jerry, uh, I, I can answer that for you. So when I used to work at the radio station, I worked for Planet Radio for years. I worked for KPL. And whenever there was a hurricane, some of us would stay and camp out all night and give updates on the radio because that's a lot of people only had the radio. Man, when I tell you, I became like an electricity expert. I really didn't know what I was talking about, but I started talking about <laughs> substations and feeder lines and, you know, they got, I had no clue what I was talking about, but man, people believe me. So it was something to do with the feeder line and a substation, Josh. That's why you were out and you weren't Jerry. hundred percent. Or a, a squirrel <laughs> bit a line somewhere along the, uh, the main, uh, drag here. Nutrient chewed through it. Yeah. Something happened See, where that or the house got zapped. I don't know what the hell happened, but we were supposed to go on to seven fifteen, So we apologize. We, we had to push it back a little bit, but we're here. We're here to talk, so sorry about that. So, look, first thing we'll do is we'll give golf a shout-out, and then we'll do sponsors. Golf is currently 13 in the regional in Norman. Uh, they shot a team uh, as a team. They shot nine over. Uh, not what they probably wanted to do. Milan uh, led the team uh, one under 71, and Eli Ortigo came in at even part 72. Uh, some of the guys had a little bit of struggle early. They're in 13th currently after round one. We'll give you guys a another update probably tomorrow on social media. So be looking out for that. Follow the golf team as they try to make their way through the NCAA regionals in Norman, Oklahoma, which um, I didn't really follow where the school across the basin finished, but early this morning they were doing pretty well. And I mean, it's a, it's a stacked regional as all of them are this time of year. So Cajuns didn't do exactly what they wanted to do today, but uh, you never know. Tomorrow's a new day and round two could bring about some, some changes. So everybody pay attention to that. Give, 
the golf team the support they deserve. They've, they've had a great season. Let's move into sponsors and say thank you very much to our great sponsors. Gordon McKernan, Injury Attorneys, the official Injury Attorney sponsor for the Rage and Review podcast. Offices in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and of course their home office in Baton Rouge. Remember, when you hire G, you get the G guarantee. If they can't win your case, you owe absolutely nothing, not a dime. They have done many, many things within the NIL space to help Louisiana athletes, Raging Cajun athletes in particular. We want to say thank you to Gordon and his team for that. Call them toll-free, 888-532-1573. You can also get them at getgordon.com on the web. Get Gordon. Get Gordon and get it done. Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Big shout out and thank you to Darren Doming. Of course, they're licensed and insured. They're locally owned and family operated. Darren is a proud UL alum and RCAF supporter, of course. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the BBB, where Mr. Domang serves as a member. Remember, if you've not inspected your roof for damage with all the crazy weather we've had, today being one of those easy uh, examples where it just comes out of nowhere and things start flying and then uh, electricity gets shut off for absolutely no reason, make sure you're checking those roofs. Any sagging, signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracks, or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granular in your gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture. You want to make sure you get that taken care of, and Darren Domain's the guy to get that done. They have three different options for financing for your job. Please give them a call today, 337-237-ROOF. That's 237-7663, or you can get them on the web, lafayette-roofing.com. Make sure you put the dash between the Lafayette and the roofing. Patriot Steel Group, great sponsor of Raging Cajun's Baseball, Raging Cajun Athletics, and, of course, the Raging Review Podcast. Those guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage everyone to consider giving any amount that they can to support our student-athletes and their mission to promote our great university. Chris Russo has been a friend of the pod from day one, so we, of course, always appreciate that and say thanks. Uh, Patriot Steel Group was founded in 2021. The founders of Patriot Steel Group have over 100 years of experience collectively in the oil and gas industry. These guys can answer anything, any question you have about tubulars. Give Brandon Gallet or Reed Barbier a call, 337-443-9296. Or if you need more information about Patriot Steel, give them a search on LinkedIn. That's the best way you can get information on their company. A uh, big shout-out to Patriot Steel Group, Lafayette Roofing, and, of course, Gordon McKernan for all the great sponsorships they've given to us and all the support financially they've helped us with uh, to get Raging Review done and, and do the best job we can for you all. So, obviously, there's a whole lot to be said about what's happened with softball and uh, what happened on Sunday. Before we get into the committee's decision and all the grievances we may have, I do want to spend some time on the positive. 46 and 13 is quite the accomplishment, but, you know, hosting the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Lafayette, I thought it was a huge success. It was the number six RPI conference in all of college softball. I thought running through that, only having two losses all season is quite the accomplishment. Uh, and then, of course, sweeping through the tournament was an accomplishment. So I'd like to start there, Jerry. Uh, I'll let you go first. Your your thoughts and your uh, impressions on the way we hosted, how Lafayette showed up, how Lampson showed up. Uh, I just want to start there. Well, I always enjoy whenever we host any type of uh, tournament, whether it was baseball or softball. I thought uh, the university and, of course, the 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 game management team did a great job with – 
getting these games in. It's always difficult, especially this time of year when you have schedules and you have to play three or four games at a time, and then you get rain delays and all of these different scenarios that's really thrown at you at the last minute. And I thought we did a good job handling that. Um, Thursday, I, you know, I went to the the game where we played ULM, and the game was delayed until around 8.20, I believe, due to a rain delay for the previous game. And I thought they handled it flawlessly. The game experience was great. The fans showed up. The atmosphere was outstanding. And they really hit it out of the park, no pun intended. Um, so we've we've had a history of really doing a great job running these tournaments. It's kind of sad that I want to say this is maybe the last time in a long time we're going to be hosting the, the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But I thought it was great overall. I thought the fans were great, especially for our games. And it was just nice to see us hold the trophy up once again uh, for what is it? The fourth out of six year or fourth out of fifth year. So all in all, they get an A plus from me. It's never easy because it's a team effort when you host something like this, when you have to host um, a number of amount of teams that come in, you have to deal with the weather. You have to deal with all these external factors, but no, it was a job well done. I thought it was, it was great overall. Look, Nick, I've been behind the scenes for those, right? Yeah, you know. That yeah, was, I was about to say, you know. Question. You've it's, been there, done that. It's tough. Look, the the the. I think the last year that we hosted it, uh, gosh, I don't remember. Was that 18, 2018? 2018, um, yeah, for baseball, correct. Yeah, I remember that it was it was a situation where we had rain delays, we had stuff going on, you know, but it wasn't. We weren't terribly behind the eight ball, uh, but just the amount of coordination it takes from an operations level. So everything runs smoothly. I mean, I think I spent, I, I think I called 13 straight games and that was just me doing the PA. I think the, the guys who were doing TV did all, I mean, think about doing one TV game. How about 13? So it's, it's a huge effort. What I like about having the conference tournament at school sites is it gives the opportunity for a school to show other fans, it, you know, what they're all about, the facilities, be proud about it. And you lose a little bit of that when you go to a neutral site. Now, some will say, well, the neutral site is better because you're more likely to have fans go to a neutral site game. And, and if the home team is hosting then, and they're out early, then, you know, nobody's at the tournament. Well, yeah, but nobody's, you know, getting pumped up about Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, the so, other thing is if those fans are visiting, they're stuck here. So they right. got to spend money in the hotels and they got to spend money in the restaurants. So, you know, right. the local economy benefits regardless if it's in Lafayette or Huntington or wherever. So that's what I like about about having it in 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 uh, host sites within the conference because, again, you get to see and, and you get to experience the different cultures and the different stadiums and the different fans all around the country. So I think that takes a little bit away from it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, it's it's tough seeing it being the last year for a while, as you said, Jerry. But the amount of coordination, preparation to pull it off with no real issues, I think, is just a testament to uh, to the operation staff at UL, and uh, hopefully the visiting fans had fun while they were here as well. And look, I flipped around on the dial while I was at home, and Lampson just shows great on TV. You can feel the energy come through on the screen, and I'm proud of that. Uh, Nick, I'll go back to you. And Lafayette showed out; it was great. Uh, overall, the event was fantastic. It always is at Lampson. I would like to say, and by the way, if anybody has comments in the space, please uh, request to speak, and we'll get you on and get your thoughts. It's kind of why we're doing this tonight. We, we really wanted to get everybody else's thoughts on this, but um, there was a little bit of question of if Marshall was for real, 
I think we learned a little bit about their program, and we had a couple Twitter fights with some of those fat, those folks. So it, I thought it was funny, and it would be a good segment. But I'd also like to talk about Texas State. You know, Texas State was the last. Apparently, they're the last uh, team into the field of sixty-four. So that's interesting. You see, they're getting an at-large bid for a team that didn't get out of the second round of the conference tournament. The health of softball in the Sunbelt Conference, I think that's a big deal. But I love the sn- the snippiness and the and the 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 uh, seemingly budding rivalry with Texas State and UL. You saw Sophie round the bases and point at the pitcher after she had kind of gotten after our dugout for for uh, for striking out some of our kids, and I just love that. You know, you know that I love the hate in sports, I, but I, but I want to focus on. Number one, I want to focus on Marshall. And then I would like to talk a little bit about South Alabama, who I thought maybe had an opportunity to get an at-large if there was going to be a second. I was actually surprised by Texas State. Now, they have a couple of nice wins on the resume. But if you remember, South Al went to San Marcos and beat Texas State in their series. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. Uh, above all else, there was a lot of interesting decisions made on Sunday, and we'll get to that next. If it, if it wasn't South Al and Texas State and Marshall... Was there anybody else who stood out? And if it's nobody else, talk a little bit about those three teams because I thought we learned a lot about their programs this weekend. To be honest with you, I think those were the kind of three teams that stuck out to me. I mean, South Alabama already has a very good history. I mean, their coach has been there for a while. She's done a really good job. Uh, for a while, it was just like baseball. It was UL and South. That always yeah, went well, back and, and they forth. also have the pitcher of the year in the league. Of course. And Texas State, Texas State's the same way. I mean, in the last – few years uh they were always kind of the team that went toe-to-toe with us and and the one year we didn't win the conference it was them uh so they've done a good job recruiting some good athletes out there in central texas they've got a lot of a lot of talent their facilities are nice they, you know you could tell they put some resources into their softball program and so that's all i mean like you said that's great for the Sun Belt. uh you know marshall I know the fans went back and forth it was fun i, I have nothing but mad respect for marshall i mean they battled us till the end in, in that championship game. And look, they won 45 games this year, a team that really had done that before. From what I understand, it was a magical year. Um, you know, there could have been some debates on whether or not they really deserved a spot to be in the, 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 the regional, but they didn't make it unfortunately, but you know that it's great because if they could continue that success, that's four teams right there and exclude, look, we can't, can't exclude Troy. Troy's been up there too. That's fine. And JMU. JMU, that's six teams right there in the Sun Belt that can be competitive year in and year out. And it's a reason why our RPI is number six overall. I mean, you're the number six conference in the entire uh, collegiate uh, softball world. That's huge. So, um, I, look, I, I have nothing but mad respect for these teams. I, I love the fact that they're playing well because it makes our conference better. For the longest time, and we'll get into the conversation of whether or not we should have hosted, but when your conference gets better and Louisiana can win the conference with four or five teams that are top 50 RPI, you know, that makes us better. That helps us recruit better. I mean, when now you have something – I mean, we obviously have a lot to recruit to, but when you have a conference that competes, you know, like crazy, that's something – that's an extra tool to recruit to outside of just our facilities and success. And you know, these girls are going to be challenged week in and week out. It's not going to be a cakewalk where you just zip on through and go in cruise control like we have in the past. So I, I think all three of those teams, and I'm again, I'm not excluding Troy or JMU. This conference is ripe for success in softball. I think this conference is going to be special in the next few years. I think this conference is only going to get better and it only makes us better. 
if the, if it makes us better, I'm all for it. But uh, I tip my hat off to those teams. I tip my hat off to Marshall. I tip my hat off to Texas State. I tip my hat off to South. But uh, I'm just glad it's us once again holding up the trophy. But th- it's going to be more challenging as time goes on, the better these teams get. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's well-deserved. And it only makes us better and makes the conference better as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. And and, and look, Jim, you had a down year in softball. That's certainly not going to stay the case. But then I go back to uh, the number six conference in, in the country and you get two bids. So what, you know, I get, I get it's going to help with recruiting, but what if we're top four? I mean, are we going to get more bids? Probably not because then they'll change it and say, well, you had your number four, but you didn't have enough top 25 wins, you know, or, or if you have enough top 25 wins, well, there's something else. So always move the goalposts for, uh, for teams. And it seems like in our conference. So I don't know why my video is doing that. My bad. I'm a little delayed there. Uh, I'm already slow to begin with. So, uh, just go with it, man. It's all good. I mean, look, there's an argument you can make that if Marshall wins the final, three teams in the tournament, and I don't know if that's ever happened from a, I mean, because obviously UL is going to get the at-large bid if they lose that game. So that's, again, it goes to the health of the conference in softball. Rory, I see you there, and I see that you've uh, requested to speak, sir. Please, the floor is yours. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Um just a couple of thoughts. Uh, first of all, the way the tournament was managed, they do a fantastic job. I just cannot say how well of a job they do. It's incredible. I went to Troy two years ago in South Alabama last year for the conference tournament. They do a good job. They do not, uh, of course, there are not as many fans in attendance uh, as there were when the Cajuns hosted this year. Again, they just do a fantastic job. So I just wanted to give a shout out to them. I'm going to have to disagree a little bit with Jerry about Marshall. Um, I don't have a lot of respect for them. That's because their coach chose to schedule the 260th strength of schedule out of conference in the nation. That's 260th. The Cajuns chose to have the number three out of conference schedule in the nation. The coach uh, play teams like Bellarmine. Have you ever heard of a college called Bellarmine? Have not. Yeah, no. they're transitioning. They're trans. I think they just transitioned in Division One, like last year, if I'm not mistaken. They beat Bellarmine seventeen to two. They played other teams like Maine, Cleveland State, uh, Kent State, Moorhead State, Elon. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And I asked somebody who was in the know, a very close friend of the coach, I asked why she didn't schedule up. And the answer that was given was this, because she wants to keep her job. So when I heard that, all that does, scheduling like she does to have, what was it, 45 wins and nine losses is to keep her job, whereas it it hurts the RPI of the opponents that she is playing in the Sun Belt Conference. Now, they had the pitcher. This is the only year that that pitcher has been at that school. She was a transfer from North Carolina State, a fifth-year senior. She is not going to be there next year. And I'm going to tell you this right now. They could have played 10 more innings, and Marshall would not have scored against Sam Landry. I agree with that. If you, it, What's that? I agree 100% with that. 
if you watch some of the swings those players put on uh, the pitches that Sam threw, go back and watch the second-to-last batter strikeout on three off-speed pitches that that girl missed by at least two and a half feet. She looked like an eighth grader swinging that ball. But get this. If you go look at Marshall's batting average per player, they got 450, 400, 375, 350, 325. Why? Because the the coach chose to play absolutely no one. And let me just finish with this. Uh, The fans there from Marshall, the fans there from Texas State, and the ones from um, uh, South Alabama that I spoke to, they were all great. They had a great time. They were eating some great food. Uh, They had a really fantastic time here. They were all impressed. I mean, not so much, of course, South Alabama and Texas State because they had been here before, but the Marshall fans had not, and they were just really, really impressed with our facility. Now, Marshall averages about 450 fans per game. They did have 2,700 fans at one of their games this year because they played Alabama. All right. But again, I thought the fans that were there from the other schools were very nice. There was no arguments in the stands. It was just a great event. And I want to make one thing clear before I hang up. Three people sent me texts today saying, well, I guess I'm not going to go watch the Cajuns play in Baton Rouge. I'm like, why aren't you going? Because there aren't any tickets available. It's all sold out. That is a total lie. That stadium does not sell out because you can walk up a minute before the game starts and buy a ticket to sit in the berm. All you have to do is bring a chair. So if you're reading somewhere or you're hearing somewhere that the games are sold out, it is 100% false. It is not true. So the Cajun fans need to show up in Baton Rouge and maybe have more Cajun fans there than LSU fans because this is UL's regional. They're not playing it in Lafayette. They're playing it 60 miles to the east. This is the Cajuns regional to win. Yeah, thanks for saying that. We're going to definitely tweet that out to make sure that our followers know that the the tickets are available. Before you run, Rory, let me ask you this one thing. Uh, You all, the offense kind of sputtered a little bit against Nestor. What were your thoughts against Nestor? Uh, Or or what were your thoughts overall about how she performed and, and her talent level? Do you think she's the real deal? Any pitcher that throws 350 pitches over a three-game back-to-back-to-back in the 90-degree heat that she was not used to throwing in, I've got to give her props, man. Yeah, that's the first time I've seen her at all, and I I figured that she had the goods. I mean, she she had swing and miss stuff. So I was impressed with her. Overall, I don't know anything about Marshall's first time I've seen him play. The numbers say, I mean, it's very difficult to win 45 games and still have a – Strength of schedule in the 260s. I mean, good Lord, that's that's unfathomable almost. Uh, but UL fans need to show up in Baton Rouge on 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 uh, this weekend. There's no question about it. I like the way you put that. That's that's UL's regional that got taken from us. It's in Baton Rouge. We need to show up and support our girls. Yeah, and y'all probably know this. I, I'm thinking um, Sophie Piscus was Sidney Burzon's catcher in high school. So she knows exactly how Sydney pitches. Sophie needs to educate her teammates on exactly what's coming. You've probably watched LSU softball more than we have this year. Do you have any thoughts on where the matchups benefit the Cajuns? Do you have any thoughts on where uh, maybe it doesn't? No, I do. I have a lot of thoughts on LSU. Let me tell you something. 
Kilponen is about 70%. She's not healthy. Her back is injured. Okay. Sydney Burzon is a freshman. She's an excellent pitcher. The thing about LSU is, can they hit Sam Landry? If Samantha Landry is on, I don't see them being very successful. Taylor Pleasance, I don't think is 100%. She hasn't hit a home run in a couple of months because she, you know, she didn't play for, or she played maybe at 30% for quite some time. She's not at 100%. Um, the leadoff hitter, Coffee, if you can keep her off the base as a leadoff hitter, you've got a chance to hold them scoreless. If a couple of runners, I'm sorry, if a cup, let's say, let's say Coffee gets on and the second batter gets on and then there's uh, an out or something and Taylor Pleasance comes to the plate, they better walk her. I don't care if she's injured or not. She has burned the Cajuns just too many times. I have seen her burn too many teams with the game on the line. There's an open base. They pitch to her and she hits the knockoff, the, the, you know, the walk-off run where they, they would have walked her. I, I do realize that Georgia Clark is behind her, but I just think Taylor Pleasance is a better hitter. Again, I don't think they should pitch to her if there are two outs and there is an open base. And uh, it's all going to come down to pitching. I mean, is Sam Landry going to be able to pitch like she has the last couple of weeks? What about Megan Shorman? And I'm going to tell you right now, I got to give credit to Kendra Lamb. She has just been incredible coming off out of the bullpen. I mean, she has just shut those teams down. She beat LSU uh, the last time they played in a regional. Uh, she, I think she threw a three-hitter against them. So, yes, she is capable of coming in and being very, very effective. I think they match up very well. Again, the question is, can the Cajuns do it at the plate? Um, you know, there's a couple of girls on the team that are struggling right now. They're going to have to up their presence at the plate and put the bat on the ball. So that's about what I've got to say about the LSU. If you ask, so there's your answer. <laughs> no, listen, I, I really appreciate it. Last question before we let you run. Sam seems like she's figured something out in the early innings, and we all know if you can – if, if, if you're going to get to Sam, you got to do it early. And if you don't, she's usually going to shut the door. What's different? What did she figure out in the early innings? Is, is it a confidence situation? What's going on with Sam, and why has she been so much better early in games? Sam has always taken a little time to figure out the umpire's strike zone. She has thrown some balls earlier in a, early in a game where she thought the balls that she threw were strikes and the umpire did not call them strikes. And I think it really frustrated her. Um, uh, you know, she said she had to get angry to pitch. Um, I also think that she's just grown up. You know, I'm, I mean, I don't think she's the same pitcher she was earlier this year. I just think she had some, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like a head case at times because, man, she was great one day. She was not great the next. She'd walk three batters. She'd hit another batter. That has kind of gone away, and I think what she did, I think she mentioned this uh, a couple, when she did this a couple of games ago, is that for the first three and a half innings, four innings, she pitched one way, and then she changed it up for the last three or the last two and a half innings and threw kind of like different stuff. She might have been you know, throwing the off-speed pitch more. She got away from that, and she was throwing you know, some stuff on the outside corner, and she just kind of, 
gave them a different look the second and third time they came around as opposed to the first time they were at the plate. And that just had the batters perplexed. And again, you know, I mean, she threw a one-hitter against Marshall. The girl that hit it was the nine-hole hitter hitting 180 who just stuck who just stuck her bat out and the ball just happened to hit the bat. If that doesn't happen, she throws a no-hitter against Marshall in the championship game. That's pretty wild. Her changeup was ferocious uh, this past Sunday or Saturday. So that was great to see. I hope Sam is peak Sam right now because we need it. And I think peak Sam is good enough to beat LSU and Baton Rouge. So uh, before you run, please let everybody know where to check out your podcast while we're all listening. Yeah, my podcast is on the same uh, channels that yours is on. It's called Roar Man's Raging College Softball Podcast. Uh, just uh, me and Terrell Avery got together and kind of had our reactions as the uh, Field of 64 was uh, going live. So it, it's pretty interesting. We had some pretty crazy reactions because they were some, crazy, some pretty crazy things that happened. So look, I'm going to go let somebody else talk. And Nick, I see you didn't get the memo. You don't have a hat on backwards. So uh, maybe next week. Thanks for catching that. Yeah, I couldn't find a backwards cap to, to put on. You know, I had to have the strap and I couldn't find one. So maybe next week. All right, man. Hey, I really enjoy your show. You do a great job. Uh, keep it up, man. I'll listen for the rest of the way. Thanks. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate the insight. Yes, sir. So, Josh, do you know the story? I mean, what was the deal with that Texas State pitcher who was staring our, our girls down and, like, pointing at the dugout? And, like, what was that? I don't know. I love it. So every time they would strike a, every time she would strike a girl out, she would point at the dugout and say something. Which look, again, yeah, I, I, like I love the I love the hating sports because as soon as Piscas comes up and hits the bomb, she's pointing at her the whole way around the base pass. I'm here for it. That makes it fun. I, I thought. It I mean, fantastic. I guess it makes it fun, but I also want to have a classy program, right? And I'm not saying what we did wasn't classy because we're just responding to their trashiness, but like. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, if it was pitcher on my team that was showboating like that against the other team, I would be pretty pissed. I wouldn't be happy about it. A hundred percent, and I'm with you. Now, I'm the type of guy that believes in throwing the second punch. Like, I'm never gonna pick a fight or tease or. But if you challenge me, I will let you know when I beat you. But that's and, why the the Southern Miss thing pissed me off so bad because we never did. We never got back at him for for showboating and being stupid. And, and acting like we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, get into and I it. got a lot to say about old DJ Lynch. There's going to be plenty to be said. Uh, I re and really appreciate Rory joining him because he's a he's a trove of knowledge. He knows exactly what he's talking about. His podcast is fantastic. If you like to get into the weeds on the softball stuff, uh, check it out. Uh, it's really good stuff. But let's roll into the committee. I know Jerry was very passionate, so I'm going to give the floor to Jerry and let him kind of just take it. I I said after Clearwater. And I know that's a long time ago, and this team was young then, and this team has grown up a lot since then, and I think we're a much better team. I think if we play Clearwater now, we win some of those games. I, I really believe that. But I, I said after Clearwater, you, you got to get more than one. You got you to gotta win those games, and you can't lose to A&M and Baylor in succession in the same week. I, I, I thought it was a tough row to hoe, and you know it turned out to be the top 25 uh, record that that did us in, but we'll we'll start from the top, Jerry. You take it, and then we'll we'll give our opinions. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I've always had a problem with the softball selection committee because I've always thought it was a flawed system. Uh, the contradictions, the number of times they've moved the goalposts, like Nick had mentioned. Uh, for me, I had asked a few of my friends uh, leading up to the Sun Belt tournament, "Would you rather be a 16 seed and host and have to end up going to somewhere like Norman, Oklahoma?" 
to take a best out of three against Oklahoma to go to the World Series, or would you rather go to on the road to like an eight or nine seed, have a chance to win there, and be paired with a you know an eight or nine seed and have a chance to go to Oklahoma City? And originally, my thought was I wouldn't mind going to a, an eight or nine seed on the road and winning, having a chance to win with an easier pathway to Oklahoma City. Uh, after experiencing what I experienced at the softball tournament or the Sunbelt tournament this weekend and seeing the atmosphere that was at Lamson Park, I kind of changed my mind a little bit because I felt that, you know, our fans deserve to see our team host. Uh, you played the number three non-conference schedule in America. Your RPI was at number 11. Your strength of schedule was in the top 15. And you won the you won the conference going away and you won the conference tournament. And I, I figured or I thought going into the conference tournament, number one, I thought D1 baseball or your D was it D1 baseball or D1 softball, no disrespect, but I thought they disrespected us. No, I mean, disrespect not putting us in them the, because that was terrible. Not putting no us in the top 25. Me, so I'm going to disrespect you back. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I'm just going to say they didn't put us in the top 25. I thought that was crazy. Whoever's handling those polls, you better check again. That's ridiculous. We should have been in the top 25. I think perception is key in those selection committees. I think not being ranked in the top 25 hurt us a little bit. But I think what bothers me the most, and look, I get it, 2-10 and 10 against RPI top 25, you, you know, 17 against, seventeen and 10 against RPI top 50. And I understand the, they emphasize the RPI top 25. But here's the reality. If that's what they're going to emphasize moving forward, it's going to be very difficult for us to ever host again because you're not going to be able to always schedule top 25 teams. You're not going to be able to always qualify or go to the – You can't go. we can't go to the Clearwater Tournament every year. It's like trying to go to the Shriners Classic every year in baseball. That's not how this works. And so, you know, Coach Glasgow went on the road to Texas. He went on the road to Baylor. Uh, he played Florida, went to these hard tournaments. I mean, he scheduled the toughest non-conference schedule we've probably ever played in. And, you know, no, Florida was not a top 25 RPI team, but we beat them. We beat three SEC teams. We beat LSU. We beat Ole Miss. We beat Florida. All three teams are going to regionals, you know. We beat Indiana. They were in the Big Ten final, lost to Northwestern. They're going to a regional. And we beat some really good teams. And to, to determine your fate of hosting a regional just by the RPI top 25, I, I, I just don't – I think it's flawed. I mean, how many times have we heard it's, it's just about the RPI? And then one, then then after it's just about the RPI. Well, it's about the strength of schedule. Well, it's about the top R, uh, the RPI top fifty. But now it's about the RPI top twenty five. I, I just feel like there's no consistency on those selections. If you look at baseball, I remember Jay Walker talking about it one year, uh, how the selection worked. I don't even know if Louisiana was in it this year that one year, but. The, I think baseball does it right because they do emphasize a lot about the RPI. They don't necessarily dig into, well, did you beat this team? Did you beat the, what's your record against top 10 RPI? They don't, they emphasize the basis of the RPI and the strength of schedule. And I think softball, I, I call it flawed because, you know, we didn't get a host of, because we were two and 10 against RPI top 25. But then on the other hand, that's like telling us they don't emphasize the RPI, but then you look at a team like Missouri, uh, I got two teams right here, two teams in the SEC right now. They like to talk about – I mean, there's obvious SEC favoritism. Missouri finished dead last in the SEC, okay? They're 34-24 and 24 overall. Their RPI was like 40 with a 7-17, seven and 7-17 seven and 17 SEC record, and they got in as an at-large. Ole Miss, 
30 and 26 overall. I think they were probably in the upper 30s or low, thir- maybe mid to low 30s in RPI. 39. 30 and 26 overall. 39. 30 and 26 overall with a loss to Louisiana. 8 and 16 in the SEC. Got in as an at large. Two teams with a combined SEC record of 15 and 33 got in as an at large. But you want to tell me you don't emphasize RPI when their justification for letting those two teams in were RPI. So to me, which is it? Is it RPI? Is it RPI top 25? Which is it? That's the problem I have with this whole entire system. Now, look, I think our path to Oklahoma City is a lot easier now because I think the the Baton Rouge Regional is winnable. And, you know, I don't think Washington is is a tough team to beat. And maybe, look, Magnese beat them earlier this year. They might pull an upset and pull it off, and we may have a Super Regional in Lamson. But the problem is, is don't contradict yourself on, on your selections and also quit moving the goalposts. Just make it easy. Quit overcomplicating this. Alabama had an RPI at number 12. They get a five seed. Lower than our RPI, they got a five seed. That's the biggest ridiculous. Uh, as far as the, the selection show goes, to me, the Alabama thing is the worst of all. But that's the problem. It's too inconsistent. It's way too inconsistent. There's, again, it's flawed. I understand the SEC is good in softball, but when you have an eight and sixteen conference record and a seven and seventeen conference record, and you finish dead last in your conference, we talk about the split in high school sports, right? In Louisiana, the public school and the private school, and and you could be on either side. But I've always said the biggest flaw of the split was they would let teams in with two and eight records into the playoffs in football. Two and eight records. You don't deserve to get in with a two and eight record. Just like you don't deserve to get in as an at-large with a 17-17 seven uh, conference record, and you're dead last in your conference. What type of precedence does that set? So, If you have so a losing record in your conference, I don't care what conference it is. If you have a losing conference record, you don't belong in postseason play. I'm sorry. Right. And, that's, and to sum it up, my issue is be consistent in how you select. You don't emphasize one thing one year, and then you don't emphasize the next thing the next year. They asked us to schedule non-conference. We did. No, we didn't win all of our games. No, we didn't win as many as we could have. But then you know what? We still finished with an 11 RPI and a top 15 strength of schedule. Number three out of conference strength of schedule, by the way. Yeah, so I I just, again, consistency. And when you're letting teams in that are in dead last in your conference, don't lecture me about RPI. Don't lecture me about top 25 wins because if you're letting teams in with seven and 17 conference records, you basically killed your entire narrative at that point. I'm sorry. And one of those teams they let in, we beat. So all I'm asking for is just a little consistency. I'm not, I'm not mad that we're not like, yes, I was upset yesterday. I've kind of gotten over that. I think we can still win the regional. All I'm asking is for just consistency on how you select your teams. That's it. You're never going to get it. You can hope, I mean, you can wish, you're never going to get it because it doesn't how do fit. Let, how do you let a 7 and 17, a team with a 7 and 17 conference record who finished dead last as an at-large? I'll never understand that. And then you want to lecture me about certain wins and all this other stuff. When you do that, your entire argument's gone in my book. Your argument is, you killed your own argument. When but, you do but to your point, Jerry, you talked about you can't schedule, you know, 15 top 25 teams every year. OK, let's throw that out. Let's say we didn't. And let's say our RPI is a little bit lower. And let's say our record against the top 50. I mean, you look at our record against the top 50 right now, 17 and 10. Right. You said it. Texas against the top 50. You know what they were? 10 and 11. You know what Clemson was? Nine and eight. Both of them are hosting on top of, above us. 
But because they have more top 25 wins, oh, well, then they get in and we don't. And look, I'm not arguing whether or not we have the easier path. The point that I'm trying to make is when you deserve it, you should have it. You should get a host, host a regional off of merit. And I feel like they did everything that they could possibly do outside of winning two or three more top 25 games to do that. But when you look at the resume of the other teams and, and let's, let's broaden it because again, this was one of the years where we could have that many top 25 games in typical seasons. We won't. So that's why you look at top 50 because that's more realistic across the board, equitable for all of division one softball. When you look at top 50, we deserve it. So you're saying don't move the goalposts. They are going to move the goalposts, whatever it takes for them to satisfy whatever need and whatever teams they want to see. Okay. Like the Alabama thing is perfect. That's a perfect example. Alabama has no business being a number five seed host seed in the tournament, but guess what? They, they manufactured the reasoning to put them there. Why? Because it's sec, because it's ESPN and because they can, and there's nothing we can do about it. And it's never going to change. I always look at the message that the committee sends. And for the most part, they've been consistent. It's been consistently bad. But to their credit, they've always said, you got to schedule up to get the favoritism. You got to schedule up. You got to schedule up. I agree with that to a certain degree. The message that you're sending to the non-Power Fives or the non-traditional powers or however you want to describe it in softball is, hey, look, don't call, don't, don't, schedule up try to win your conference and try to find a few teams willing to play you on the fringe and just try to sneak in because of the aq don't schedule up because if you schedule up and you don't win those games we're going to punish you and i think that above all else that is the biggest issue so but you want to you mentioned merit okay we're not a Johnny come lately softball team. It's not like we just That's had a right. good year this year. We haven't missed a regional in like 25 years. We've been to six women's college world series, but they're still calling us mid major Jerry. Regionals. We're still mid major. Like, according to the talking heads on ESPN, we're a mid major program. Yeah. We're a mid major program. That's actually has his had that has historic, more historic success in most of these schools. There was nothing mid-major I mean, about our softball program. It is absurd to even call us a mid-major. It's like when they call Gonzaga in basketball, right? A lot of people are having debates on whether or not to call a Gonzaga a blue blood. I Look, we're kind of a blue blood in softball. I mean, let's be real. We are. I mean, yeah, Gonzaga plays in the West Coast Conference, but they're still a team that they compete with the best of the best and beat the best of the best. I've always called us the Gonzaga of softball because that's what we are. Look at our history. It's not like we're, and that's the thing we were joking with Marshall fans, you know, they're telling Marshall fans, look, you know, until you get to our level of success over the past 30 years, you can't really say anything about our program. I'm sorry. It's just, you got a little ways to go to catch up to us there, but it goes to show you that, like you said, there's no, the, the respect isn't there. I mean, it's not, but what I'd like to know is how, how is it that from, 2000 to 2000 to 2016 we've hosted four or five times we hosted a super regional we've been to the college world series a handful of times during that span but all of a sudden now we're, we're, we're being left out i mean that's crazy talk i mean that's absurd it's not like again we're not some new team some new kid on the block that you know oh well louisiana just started winning we've had success we have a resume we have a track record that's that's something that I, I don't get. I mean, if, if you want to talk about merit, we have the merit. I, I don't understand why they would just look at us as some regular mid-major. We're not a mid-major in softball. I mean, we're not. 
Yes, large programs with the money are going to continue to coalesce. The sport is getting smaller. Don't expect that this is not something that's going to continue to happen because it is. I mean, look at the trends everywhere. It's not just softball, obviously. Look, if we started, if we started a, a checkers league in Division One, and and we started making money off of it, you you know SEC would have the biggest and the best checkers league in the history of sports within two years. And then they try to get rid of us because we have no business there. That's what they're doing with softball. Nobody cared about softball 10 years ago. All of a sudden, we, you know, teams like us start winning. They were like, oh, well, we need to invest in that. And they do. And they take our coach, right? And they take all the, the coaches that that created what is the the present softball, uh, you know, the, the what, what softball currently is in college sports. And they take them and they create their own programs. And then they look down at us like you don't belong with us anymore. That's that's exactly what I, baseball was the same thing until LSU started putting money into it. Where was LSU baseball? Well, they raided well, and pillaged everything we had. To to put to to say that the SEC deserves every team. I think Mississippi State was the only team left out. To put every single team except for one into the regional, including those with eight and sixteen and seventeen seven and seventeen conference re, uh yeah SEC records. To me, that's absurd. But like I understand Jerry, it's going to happen in baseball in a few weeks. That is that is crazy. That is crazy. Like I understand the SEC is good, and I know they've got some good teams, but they're not that good. Like that's to me, it's it's exaggerated. It's overemphasized. And I believe what I was told by a very reliable source who knows these kind of things that Ole Miss got in because they beat LSU and they beat some other team in the SEC tournament. So you mean to tell me, out of the sixty games you've played, where you're eight and sixteen and you're thirty and twenty six, or should I say, without the two wins, you're 28 and 26 that you deserve an at large because you won two games out of 60 in your that that should all of, all of a sudden boost up your resume to get in that large bid. How many baseball teams are out there with 30 and 26 records that get in at, as an at large? That's like Mississippi State. Mississippi State went to Baton Rouge, took two out of three from LSU, right? They're 26 I'm sorry, and what? 24. Well, I'm not the school across with... the basin, whatever. Do, do you think they deserve an at large bid for being 26 and 24? And getting of course not. They're not good. We should have beaten them. So how does how does Ole Miss get in with a thirty and twenty six record as an at large? How, how, how does the, that happen? The idea that an entire conference can get into the postseason is outrageous. It should not it's be crazy. Allowed. That's that's not that's not that's not because the SEC is good. You're it's not earning it if you don't have a win a, a winning conference record. You don't belong in the pre it's the postseason. Bias, man, they could say all they want. It is clear, obvious bias. B i a s bias. Having said all of that, I'm going to take an unpopular stance. I'm just going to be honest with how I feel about it. When you're in our position, you got to take away all the excuses. And two and nine against the conference or the uh, RPI top 25 is an it's an open door for them to say, well, you could have done this better. So if I'm being honest with myself, I stop and think about that. And okay, that's part of it. The other thing is that the argument has been made, do you want to host as a 15 or a 16 and have to play UCLA or Oklahoma? Of course not. I don't want to roll through a home uh, regional and then have to go and have my season ended. Now, look, I don't think that the girls are not good enough to win. We're just talking about historic softball teams here. And, so, and I know that UCLA was a one-run loss, and we probably should have won the game if we had a couple of different decisions being made at the Clearwater. I get it. I think that they're a different team now. I think we're better, but I, I still think that there's a lot of things that went. Um, I think that UCLA would would handle our super regional differently than they did in the Clearwater tournament. I want to make it back to Oklahoma City. 
and and I think we all agree that that's the pinnacle of the program. We've done that. We've done everything in the sport from a softball standpoint, except win a national championship. And if we're going to, yeah, I mean, Glasgow really believes he's going to win a national championship here. And if we're going to buy into that, then the path to a national championship has got to be at the top of the list. Going to number 10, Baton Rouge, the school across the basin, number one, we've already beaten them. We know that we can beat them. You know, Rory made comment about several players that are not 100%. The lineup doesn't wow you. Uh, they lost to an Ole Miss team that we dominated. Well, not dominated. We beat them, but we played really well against Ole Miss. They lost to that team, and I know it was a good game, went in extra innings. I know all that stuff, but they lost recently. They didn't win a game in their conference tournament that school across the basin didn't. Um, I think you can't do much better with regard to a path to getting back to Oklahoma City. I also think that, look, it's close. We're familiar. Our fans are going to travel. Our... When's the last time you saw the Raging Cajun softball team play really, really upset? It's been, it's been a while. You know, that feeling of being disrespected, that goes a long way. You know, for competitive people like Maddie Hayden and Lex and Sam and, and Sophie, those girls are going to rise to the occasion, I think, just from the level of disrespect that they feel from... Look, I agree that the merit was there. I agree that they earned their host spot, their host site. I'm sick for the city of Lafayette for all the great things we could have um, benefited from as from an economical standpoint of getting Lampson on national television, uh, featuring the, the softball program. All those things are fantastic. And those are all the great things about hosting. But if we're talking about getting to Oklahoma City, this is really not a bad path. I, you know, I, I'd love to get you guys' thoughts, but... This might actually be a positive for the team. I hate to be the guy to say it out loud, but this might actually be a positive. Look, I get it. I get everything you're saying, and I'm not saying I don't agree with you. My thing is, one, I feel like you, if you earned a host spot, you should have the host spot. And that's a, a source of pride for the, the program and for the players. And when you feel like they deserve it, I don't care who I'm facing in the second, you know, in the Supers. I want that for them. Now, that being said, the one thing that does worry me about this regional is every single time we play a regional in Baton Rouge, there is a critical game-changing call every time. that goes against us. Yep. Every single time. It's going to happen again. And that, uh, that, to me, is what scares me is because they will take – they've already – the committee has already done what they could do to screw us out of trying to, you know, do what we want to do. But it, it's just – it's – it's like history repeating itself. Every time we go there, there's something that happens at a critical point in the game that goes against us that shouldn't have. So that's the only thing that I am a little iffy about in this regional. Do I think we can win it? I expect us to win it. I and do. that's that's my opinion. I, really I, do. I don't the, the that team does not scare me. Look, their fans are talking half their fans want are ready to cut ties with Beth Torino. I mean, if you look at their message boards, if you hear what they're saying. They're not happy with her right now. They feel that she hasn't accomplished what she was meant to accomplish. And Jerry, they wanted to fire their head coach in football two games into the season. Don't take yeah, that. Yeah, but for, this is that know. is true. But this is you, you're starting to see more of it, and this is this is real. I mean, the impatience is really starting to kick in with their program, and also too, you know, that they were 13 and 11 in conference play. They weren't that great. Uh, not not what they usually are, and we're ripe for the picking. I mean, we've got a team that we have good pitchers. Uh, I think if the bats come alive, we can be dangerous. And this is a perfect scenario for us to go there because we've won the Baton Rouge Regional before. We've done it multiple times. 
I think this is a year that's ripe for the picking. Uh, and look, I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm, I'm, I have nothing against their softball team because I'm sure their fans are probably just as upset that we got sent over there. You know, it's never fun when you have a team, even if we would have hosted, I wouldn't have been happy with bringing a team with an 11 RPI to our stadium because it makes it hard for us to advance. So this is, this is a golden opportunity. Like you said, Nick, this is a golden opportunity for us to go in there and make a statement and play angry. And I, I really look, I expect to win the regional too. I really do. I expect to win the regional and, and look, I mean, if, if luck goes our way, maybe there might be an upset up in Seattle and maybe we might have a super regional in Lampson. But first things first, you got a game against Omaha, take care of business, and then we'll focus on uh, on game two. But it's a winnable regional. There's no question it's a winnable regional. But here's another thing about inst- about all that foolishness with the bad calls. Let's put ourselves in position to avoid it. Play well, play smart, dominate, and maybe we won't have to worry about that to determine the game. Look, I'm just going to say he, Roy's talking about instant replay. How many times this baseball season have we seen instant replay where the call is obviously missed and it's clear and we can see that, that it was a missed call and the call on the field stands? That does not give me any comfort right now. But we, I get we, what you're saying. We, I get we, what you're we, saying. We got to start petitioning uh, the softball committee that SEC crew, uh, crews cannot work SEC regionals. I mean, how can you? That's just totally ridiculous to me. You got to find different crews. Now they'll they'll find ways to cheat. You know, whatever. I don't want to get into it because that'll become a thing. But I I agree with you, Nick. There's too many calls over the years where you just shake your head. And Dave was talking about on the radio today how you know Cajun fans always think we're being cheated. Well, that's because we always are being cheated, one way or another. Whereas whether it's the NCAA tournament in basketball where we've been cheated three or four times, or it's the softball tournament we've been cheated. Baseball, not so much. This but. ain't the first time, and it like you look back to when we had to try. The first time we had to go to A and M. I mean, our RPI was through the roof, and A and M was like a number five national seed, and we were we were like a number two seed at their regional. Like that wasn't a reward for A&M, us. A and M. You're talking about the A and M regional uh, in 2012. Yeah, where Tatford made that ridiculous. That was 07. 07. That was 07. I mean, this yeah. is. A, I'm going way idea. back. But, like, our RPI was really, really good, and Texas A&M was really, really good. They were like a national seed, and we had to travel over there. And, Dan, thank goodness I remember being on the the conference call and listening to Dan McDonald asking the tough question. Like, he gave all the numbers and all the stats, and and they pushed the guy to the, the was a committee chairman to finally say, well, I don't know, we just— you know, I don't know. Good point. We just made the decision. So he looked like a fool. Nobody wanted to push this woman on the on the committee that was there for five seconds on TV going, well, we wanted uh, we wanted the re- best records against the top 25. Thanks. Good talking to you. Nobody asked the tough questions. It's Why wasn't joke. anybody asking the questions? Because it was all rigged. But that's I'm conspiracy theorist. Sorry. Well, no, back back to your point, Josh, about I know you're, you're like we were talking about. Yes, it's relieving to have an easier path to Oklahoma City because that's the goal. At the same time, my question is, if not this year where we've done basically almost everything we were supposed to do, if not now, then when? Because, again, you can't – you can't. it's not like we can't sign up for the Clearwater Tournament every year and then all of a sudden just magically go undefeated against top 10 teams. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You know, unless you're Oklahoma, that doesn't happen for anybody. So if not now, if that's going to be the – the resume for, or is, if that's what they're looking for in the resume for now on is top 25 RPI record. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to have that luxury of scheduling all the time, or we're just going to have to have the hardest non-conference schedule year in and year out. So if not now, then when, 
when are we are we ever going to host again if that's going to be the criteria well my thing is jerry like if we're not good enough to host okay let's take that all out of consideration we're not we're not good enough to host according to the committee why do we have to keep being sent to to baton rouge like that is not fair to lsu that's not fair to us it's not fair to the state and i know i'm i we get into the like we don't have to pull for the state but it really like it's not fair that Louisiana can only have one team a year make it to to the Supers and to to Oklahoma City. So that's the problem I have is if we were sent to an 11 seed that was not in Louisiana, I would pro- it would probably be a little more palatable, but the fact that we continue to be sent to this team, I get it that they're close, but you're who are you rewarding? Like, are you rewarding us by sending us there and not having a home crowd 60 miles down the road where we have an obvious sort of rivalry going on? Uh, that to me is not rewarding you. Now, do I think again, do I think it's an easier path? Yes, I I, I don't think it's a terrible path. Josh, you pointed out exactly why, but I'm I'm just tired of being sent there. Like, do something else. Plus, it stinks. I hate going there. It's gross. It I is hate the gross. Traffic. I lived there it for 10 bad. years. I know. I hate going on that. Oh, it's disgusting. I hate that place. And they want to lecture us about food, but that's for another day. That's a whole other thing. I think Little Village <laughs> is good. Oh, man. Don't get me started. Little, First uh, of all, Little Village is one of the worst restaurants I've ever eaten at in my terrible. entire life. They think Gino's is real Italian food. Get out of here. I mean, I think I, I do think it gives us opportunities to bring our fans. I mean, our fans travel there well. You're going to see a lot of red in the berm, like, like Rory said. Uh, you're going to see a lot of red in the stands. That's great. But at the same time, like, again, to your point, Nick, it's like, you know, this is the one time I'll say, you know, it's good to have the more Louisiana teams, the better. Like I wouldn't mind facing them in Oklahoma city. I think that'd be fun. You know, I mean, it, it, it you know, yes, we'd want to beat them and yes, we want to beat them whether it's now or always want to beat them. But at the same time, I think it's good for the state when you have more teams instead of just one, because guess what? After this weekend, only one team advances in Louisiana out of the regional. I don't think Omaha Prairie View is going to make it out, but I don't think it's either gonna is going to make it out. Of, and I don't of, think, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think so either. So it's like, what, you know, why, why, why send us there? Like, like we're not, we're not just some, uh, what's the word? I guess we're not just a walkover team. You know, it's not like we're just some random uh, four seed who just happened to squeeze into the regional because we won our tournament. I mean, why not send us? I wouldn't mind going somewhere like to Texas, or I wouldn't mind going back to like Ole Miss or wherever. I mean, I, I don't. Well, I, don't I was listening it. to Eric Lopez from Inside the Circle, and he basically said if Baylor would have hosted, Louisiana would have been sent to Baylor. And he gave all the different scenarios as to why. And I, again, that would have been a favorable path as well. I just hate going across the base. I don't like going. I don't want to sit on a berm. I don't want to smell their stinky air. I don't want to have to walk around. Smell, you know, I, I just don't like it there. I just don't like it. And, and I don't think, I don't. Even if LSU's, I'm mean, excuse me, even if that school across the basin is good enough to win their regional, they're not getting out of the super. They don't have the pitching. They, I don't think they have the offense. It's just my opinion. I haven't watched them. I've probably watched them three or four times this year. But uh, based on how they played against Ole Miss in the tournament, that's that's not an Omaha team or not Omaha, average. Uh, uh, Oklahoma City team. Average, average. I, I just don't think this year. And I also think that the Cajuns are playing their best softball. I know offensively they've been struggling a little bit, kind of sputtering. But you gotta you gotta think that Lex breaks out of her slump. You gotta think that All Red continues to pop the ball. You gotta think that Sophie's been very consistent down the stretch. You you, you have to think Carly Heath hits a big shot. Somebody's gonna step up. You know the the extra disrespect goes a long way. So I look for that to play a role. And 
we know Sam is fiery. Sam is a friend of ours and a friend of the pod. She's been awesome. You got to think that Kendra continues to to rock her new role coming out of the pen. You you got Shorman. You know this is the first time we're going into one of these regionals with more than two pitchers. I mean, I honestly, you could probably make a case for four or five. You know, Carly Heath has been good. You know, I think that she can give you innings in a regional. The, the, I, this is a yeah. different team. This is a total different team. This team has played much better defense down the stretch. They've limited the errors in critical moments. They can pitch. I don't know if it's elite, but it's good. It's very no, elite. it's it's the deepest we've had since fourteen. And if you can get, if you if the bats can get going, and like you said, people the players like Lex and a few others can get their bats going and, and start clicking. <laughs> this is a dangerous team. The bats got to get that. Look, that's one of the. There's anything that was that that I thought could have been better uh, this past weekend in this in the tournament. It, I thought it was the bats. The bats need to click a little bit more, and they need to get a little bit better. If they do, this could be one of the most dangerous teams I think in the entire regional. Well, because complete. you've got the you've, complete. Yeah, it's a complete got the pitching depth. It's a complete softball team. Good pitching depth. Good defense. If you get the bats clicking, this is. Oklahoma City caliber, if you ask me. I, I really believe that. I agree. Nick, you want to wrap it up on softball and we'll move on? No, to I w- the only thing I was going to say is what – I mean, you, you're you're talking about pitching depth. Do you remember a coach ago where you, you they'd ha- we'd have one pitcher and she'd pitch her arm off for like 43 straight games? Yes. And like we'd get to the, the regionals and she had no arm. She was pitching with a bone. Well, it feels like – like that's that's what we're where we're at is is with the pitching depth where if 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 one one player's not having a good night you know uh, if Sam's struggling maybe Kandra comes in and and shuts the door if Kandra's struggling then Sam comes I mean you just feel like you have the depth to make to make it options. work yeah you've got options and and on top of that if your offense is struggling you have confidence right you've got confidence that that our pitching staff can hold the other team uh, away for a little bit until we get our, our bats going. So no, I I'm feeling good about it and, and excited for the ladies and, and excited to see how they respond. Look, if the, if the, if the game was that night, then I'd be a little nervous that their, uh, their emotions would be a little too much into it, but I think there's going to be enough time between the selection show and the game for it to kind of all settle down. But I think they'll be playing with a purpose and I'm excited to see how they come out. I agree. And I think that the biggest adjustment that this team has made or, or the improvement is their defense has been spectacular. They played great defense in the tournament. It's the best defense I've seen a Cajun team play in a very long time. Now, you can look at the stats and you can look at the fielding percentage and maybe it tells a different story. But I'm just telling you, with as far as what these eyes have seen through the tournament and really some of the home series down the stretch, excellent defense. If they play defense like that and they get pitching the way they've been getting it, the potential on offense is there. There there are kids that are hidden below their potential right now. If they can just step into just somebody going to get on a hot streak, you never know. Maddie Hayden's a 300 hitter. Maddie Hayden could hit 350. Uh, uh, look at Stormy. I know Stormy's coming off the bench, but she can hit. You know, Lex Lang- Langlers can hit. She, I know she she started the season off on a, on a tear, and then she had a, a pretty elongated slump, and then she kind of started to, to kind of find it again. She's got big power numbers. She's got power potential. You never know. Somebody is going to click for this offense, and it's going to get ugly. I, I really believe that they can go over there and really take care of business. Prove a point. Prove the committee wrong. Go out there, dominate, go win. And this is just one step closer to Oklahoma City. I love a team that's upset. 
I just do. I've always I've always thought that that extra chip goes a long way. Anyway, moving on to baseball, we had a series at the Teague this weekend. Uh, Jerry and I were I I, don't, I saw you f- Sunday. Did I see you Friday? No, I, I was there Sunday. So Raging Review was in the building Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but we were staggered. But um, you know, you got to give a shout out to the team. So many different moving parts, especially on the mound. Um, you get to it like this is it was a crossing road in this season and you needed the sweep to be honest with you you know at before come at, at one point Saturday against ULM you're thinking okay we need to sweep this series to kind of solidify our spot in the conference tournament and again credit to them I know we didn't do any content since then everybody had stuff going on but they went up to ULM and they beat a bad team. And what do you do with a bad team? You abuse them. You know, we talk about that all the time. The boys did that. They went out. Offense just absolutely dominated. Maybe found some things with pitching. Fluno looked good. Um, Nezu looked good. His changeup continues to improve. I'll give Deg some credit on that. He he kind of said that a few weeks ago. And I, I really found his changeup to be devastating against, against ULM. Now, ULM has nothing to play for. They were mathematically... Uh, eliminated from the conference tournament last week. So they weren't playing for anything. Maybe they laid they, they lay down. Maybe the season's over for them. You, you never know. Now, ULM always wants to beat us, so there's a little bit of rivalry on their side of things. Obviously, we don't think about them very much. Uh, yeah, we don't think about you. But, but, but you know, they went up there. They got three wins. We needed, they, we needed it. You know, uh, it's a road series win. I don't know what their RPI was. It wasn't good. RPI for us doesn't matter anymore at this point in the season. We just need to win games in the Sun Belt. So they did that. So credit to the boys. Everybody pretty much had a nice offensive weekend. Brock, uh, uh, JT, Rock looks like he's coming on. Max Marshak, all he's doing is hitting about 400 for the last month and a half. He's coming back, and, and my goodness. Him at third and his great defense, his leadership, and his spark plug ability on offense – He's the whole package. When he's going well, the Cajuns score runs and we play good baseball. So good to see Max. But but ULM served as that that boost for the offense. Moving to Tuesday, we lost the two lane or to, excuse me to to the Nexters because we couldn't throw strikes late in the inning, late in the, uh, the late innings of that game. We hit people, we walked people, we gave up a grand slam that should have never happened. Stop me when you've heard this before. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because to me, the midweek games don't matter at this point. We come home to the friendly confines and absolutely dominate Texas State Friday, Saturday, and really Sunday. I mean, it was nip and tuck early. Our pitching staff didn't look like they wanted to throw strikes. We went out there and we found some guys that were going to hold the fort. I got to give Jake Hammond a whole lot of credit. It's senior day. It's hot. He comes out hurt. They wanted him to start. He wanted to start. He threw some tough, well, one tough inning, something like 20-some-odd pitches, and he was laboring. You could tell it very obviously. We're about six feet away from being down five to nothing in the first inning, and they hold out to one. I thought that was the key to the game. So big shout-out to Jake, and I'm sorry that he's hurt. He's been such a a great competitor and a great uh, contributor to this team. I hate it for him. But Sunday was the only game where it really wasn't a complete domination by the Cajuns, and Texas State had no pitching left. I think they were melting in the sun. I don't know what happened, but they just couldn't find the strike zone. Uh, It's a dominant performance. It's a dominant performance all the way around. You got to give them credit. Nezu goes seven scoreless on on Friday. Gives you a chance to win. Fluno goes, what was it, six? And he gave up two. 
another a quality that's two quality outings for him in a starting role in two weekends. You know, the whole committee thing I didn't love. Seems like we got away from it. Seems like it's working. We said Nick Nick and I talked about this before the show on well, two weeks ago. Texas State didn't scare me. If you look at their splits, I had it pulled up here. At home, they're like 26 and three. And of course, the uh, the, the lightning's at my uh, all my research docs, but they're like 26 and three at home on the road, 10 and 13. I think that's correct. But they're a different team away from Slam Marcus, which is so dumb. I don't know who coined that. But we, we I had absolutely, I expected to win two out of three and possibly sweep. And I think that they showed who they were. Now, look, they have a potent lineup, but when, you're, when your dimensions are 300, 345, and I don't know what's to write, it's, that's not a real ball, ballpark. I, Wood dominated us last year. We dominated him on Saturday. Okay? I mean, I know that they've lost a lot. Sivers is gone. And, and pitching-wise, they're not the team they were last year, but they were the number two Sunbelt Conference team coming in. They had an RPI in the 40s. Am I right on that, Jerry? Yep. So you got to give the guys credit. Jerry called me today and he said, what, what do you do? What, what kind of stock do you put in this win? Is it fool's gold? I said, Jerry, I don't know who we are. We have one conference series left in this season. I don't know who the hell we are. Sometimes we look like we're a top 10 team and we can beat the best. And sometimes we can be swept by JMU. I thought that they, they came to work in a series that they had to have and they completed the task. You can't turn a blind eye to that. That's big time. And now you're 17 and 10. I think you're tied for fourth. And the best you can do is tie for second. I think that's where we're at right now. If no, we we're, we're actually in third. So we're in third. So we're in third now. And I think the best you can do is a tie for second if you sweep USM. Yep. Because Coastal's ahead and they have the tiebreaker. So we'll, let's spend some time on Texas State and everything you saw, and then we'll move on to USM. But I just wanted to get that out. I, I thought that the guys came to play. They came to the yard with their lunch pail. They did their stuff. Man, some really great performances out of Max. Brock. Uh, Rock looks like the Rock of 2022. That's great news coming down the stretch. JT continues to be pretty consistent. I think he's still, I think he's still kind of behind where he could be, but he's playing such great defense. I mean, incredible defense. Pitching staff showed up to work. Thoughts on Texas State? Yeah, I I mean, I felt offensively, look, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Wood dominated us last year. I, I thought he might be a little tougher uh, uh, this year because of, of history, uh, but obviously that wasn't the case. Uh, I think offensively we did outside of outside of rocking him. I think we did what I expected us to do against Texas State. Really, again, uh, our bats are going to be there most of the time. Our bats are, are are coming around, and I think we have one of the most prolific offenses as a team since 2014. So I I feel like we're going to score and manufacture runs. You saw it with the the three straight bunt singles, which. I was waiting for all season long, and we I was howling. Happened. I was howling. Oh, it was great. But you, I, I think again, going back to the pitching, we've been struggling and trying to find, like you said, an identity. Who are we? And and this was us last year too. We still didn't know toward the end of the season who we were. We were in the same boat. Uh, I think this year we still don't know who we are, but 
we got some really good hitters and they're putting it together. I think pitching wise is where we have the big question mark. And when you get another solid start from Nezu, when Fluto comes out and has another solid start, I think that gives you and the team a little bit of confidence at the right time. We need that because again, that JMU series was definitely a low point for us this season. There is no way we should have gotten swept by JMU in any way, shape, or form. That was embarrassing. And especially coming off, I think it was magnified by the fact that we just beat the number one team in the country and then you go get swept. So I think it was a, our reaction might have been a little over the top because of, of the, the night and day difference between that game and the three over the weekend. But still, you, you get swept by JMU and you're really hitting the panic button because there is a, a chance that you don't even make the tournament. The sweep puts us in a really good position next weekend. Look, really finishing second or finishing fourth, as long as you don't have to play the play-in game, I think that's where the sweep came in to play so so huge for us because now, I mean, there's still an outside chance that we can have to play a play-in game, but that's significantly diminished by the fact that we swept Texas State. So I think, again, our hitting was where I expected it to be outside of, of uh, hitting against Wood. But our pitching with the with the two starters, um, Christy, look, Christy started having a little tough time at the end, but we clearly had a game plan. We needed him. I mean, those those five runs he gave up really didn't matter. We knew they didn't matter. We just well, needed him. Well, that goofy him. delay didn't help things. Yeah, that didn't help. And then we just needed to get we just needed to get out of the ball game. Like I, they, they, I think at that point they didn't care if Texas State scored eight. We just needed the the win, and we needed Christie to get us there. And he was able to put it together to get to get us there. I think the bigger concern for me, if we're going to talk about concerns over the weekend, um, I need to see. Marshall has had three or four outings that have been really concerning. And that's somebody that I need to see more out of, especially going into the tournament. So he had a rough time uh, go at it on Sunday. I need to see a little bit more from him. And I think uh, going back to Christy, look, I, I, I know the weather delay kind of hurt him a little bit. I'd like to see him this weekend uh, put it together a little bit better and not give up a, a five runs in, in, you know, late in the ball game. I'd like to see him shut the door. Again, uh, I will say uh, it weather delay had a lot to do with it, uh, and the situation that he was in also had a lot to do with it. Um, but other than that, happy, obviously, with the sweep. I uh, Look, you, you got to feel, man, we were at the, the cusp of getting two out of three for Coastal, and I know it's on the road at Southern Miss, and I know they've got a really good Friday night guy, but you've got to feel going into this weekend that – two consecutive sweeps and look Southern Miss is on a 13 game win streak. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take that away from them, but you also got to feel like we're not going to roll over. If we don't pull off that Friday night, win. I feel like you're, you're aiming your goal this weekend is to get one, but man, if you can get two, that would be even better. You go in and sweep. Now I may, I may jump them. I don't know what I would do if that would happen. I go run on I 10, but if, if you get you're you're hoping for one, but you really want two. And if you do that going into the tournament, that gives you confidence. And again, the two seed and the four seed really don't matter a whole lot at this point. But you want momentum going into the tournament. And I want our pitchers to show me something outside of, of Fluno and outside of um, of Nezu. I want, I want our pitchers and outside of Cooper because we know what we're getting with Rawls. 
So outside of those pitchers, I just want to see a little bit more consistency from the back end bullpen guys. Uh, but overall, I great weekend. Yeah, I was looking up some stats just now, and one thing that stuck out to me, we talk about Texas State, how well they hit at their stadium in San Marcos. They hit one home run all weekend at the Teague. Uh, a lot of those deep balls were, you know, flyouts in the graveyard, we call it, out in center field. Um, they they put the bat on the ball, but it felt like our defense did a really good job protecting the field. Uh, I think we were pretty limited on errors this weekend. Um Really in pitching, one thing that I noticed was, you know, outside of the Sunday game, if you combine Friday and Saturday, we only walked four batters. That was huge. So we limited free bases. Now we walked eight batters uh, on Sunday, but I thought the the defense did a great job uh, finding ways to get us out of innings. They did leave a few, quite a few runners stranded, but pitching did just enough to to get us out of that slump, which which was huge. Um, that's a good point, Jerry. On Sunday, they left 15 on base. Yeah, and and as Tony said, they minimized the damage, so that was really good. Uh, I, I kind of, I'm actually taken aback in a good way. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy that it seems like we found our Friday, Saturday one, two, and on the rotation with Nezu and Fluno. Believe it or not, Carson Fluno's done a really good job uh, as a starter, and I think Coach Deggs had said on a, in an interview that. Uh, one thing he finds between Cooper Rawls and, 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 and Carson Fluno is he finds that Carson Fluno is a better starter than he is a reliever, and he finds that Cooper Rawls does a really good job coming out of the bullpen than he does as a starter. So if you can find guys like that to, to be more consistent in what roles they play, I think that's going to be huge in the next week or two because they're finally we're finally, like to your point, Nick, about you hope these pitchers can find their roles and, 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 and more pitchers step up. I think when you're able to find that, find your role, it's easier for the pitcher to step up because like we've always talked about, Josh, they know what to expect going into the game. It's not fly off the seat of your pants. Hey, I'm going to put you in for one inning and then tomorrow night you're going to start and then you're going to do this and you're going to close the next game. I think can keeping consistency in the rotation is going to be huge. So pitchers, um, are creatures of habit. They well, just are. And you got to treat them the way that they the way that their brain is wired, you got to be able to nurture that. I've been saying it for 3 freaking years and you guys have been hollering at me and I'm it's not about talent, it's not about it's about how you handle the pitching staff. I'm going to go on a rant. Continue, Jerry. Okay, but anyway, I thought that was I thought that was significant, you know, having just having a Friday and Saturday guy now. We, yes. we have consistency. And I don't care who the name is. Just find it. Figure it out. Also, I wanted to say I thought our bats were starting to click. I mean, that's obvious. Even a game against uh, Eve up in Ruston, we scored eight runs. You know, uh, yesterday or Sunday, I was very pleased at the patience. Um, I find that, you know, we're not chasing pitches like we used to. Um, I mean, heck, they we walked in three runs in the fifth, which was the, the turning point in the game. And then, of course, you got the timely hit. Credit to CJ which basically opened the floodgates, which to me solidified the win. Um, I think the bats are starting to click at the right time. Uh, you know, CJ had three hits yesterday. Uh, Rocco is starting to put some more power to his swing. Uh, Julian is starting to hit more. Hoodie is Hoodie. He's going to get on base. Marshak, what makes Shaq great with the way he hits is, is he's so fast. Friday and Saturday, he get, gets leadoff doubles. Debo bunts him over to third 
and I believe I think it was Hoodie that got a ground out, but both days you give that gave us a one nothing lead. So you start off with a little momentum there offensively, and you just click there, and then you complement it with good pitching. I mean, really, outside of Sunday, both that Friday Saturday game, that game none of neither of those games felt like we were in danger of losing. Uh, even in spite of the power hitters that Texas State, you know, likes to flaunt themselves with, I didn't notice that. Like, I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm nervous or we're going to find a way to blow it. Um, so that was really good to see. Uh, this was to me, yes, you're right, Josh. They don't play as well on the road, they're better at home, but you still played a team that was in sole possession of third place that, from a national perspective, was kind of sort of on the edge of whether or not they would be a, a that large. And you oh, no, sh- they and were they were squarely in the conversation. They were going to make it. And you swept them. Yeah. You swept them and look, at a I, crucial time of the year. So, I want to make a comment on what you're saying about their hitters. Small things matter. When you come to the Teague and the dimensions are a little different and it's hot and it's humid and it's it's out there and you're, you're baking in the sun, how many times did they hit it to the warning track this weekend? Had to many. be eight, nine, ten times. Many. Mm-hmm. And those balls are out in Slam Marcus in that yep. Cracker Jack ballpark. One I'm home run you, all weekend. They are a One. different ball club on the road. And this place here, you got to be able to hit to get the ball out. It's true. Julian Brock hit a ball that went 446, and the exit velo was like 109. Absolutely murdered. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I think that was on Saturday. Was it Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So, so crushed it. you got to have man strength. And I just don't think that they have that. And I'm glad you brought that up. And also to your point about our our offensive uh, prowess and the way that the lineup has rounded out and matured, we have 100 more walks this season than we did last season. Deg said that on Dave today. 100 more walks. The discipline that they've shown down the stretch as they've they've matured going to play dividends in the postseason. Well, the discipline got us six runs yesterday, which turned the game around. I mean, if you don't get that six-run inning, you might not win. So that was huge. The patience at the plate. I mean, Josh, we were sitting by each other. We were talking about it. I said, you know, don't swing. Just don't swing. Let them throw. Let them throw. Do not swing. And they didn't. I mean, you have guys in the the meat of the lineup. You had Rocco, JT. I think Hoodie was one of them. Or who? No, was it Hoodie or somebody? And they were just patient at the plate. And, you know, in the past, we chase. We would chase. So that that turned the game around. The patience at the plate is what, to me, would turn the game around. Um, but going into Southern Miss, we're going to need that same type of energy. Southern Miss is on one of the, I think they're on the longest longest win streak in the country right now. But I also think they're beatable too. Um, I also think they're a team that yes, they're good, but I think we're starting to hit stride at the right time. And I think honestly in spite of the RPI and what we're talking about and whether or not you have to win the tournament to get into a regional, if I'm Coach Deggs, I'm telling the team, your postseason starts on Thursday. Your postseason begins on Thursday if you really want to start making a run. You got you have to you have to create momentum and play well this weekend and seed well going into the tournament in Montgomery. You want that bye, especially if you're hot. So um no, to me, Raging Cajun postseason baseball starts Thursday night. In Hattiesburg, I look, mean, they're they're no beating their chest at the fact that they scored so many runs off of ULM last weekend. Okay, if yeah, you compare, so, the, so did we. I know, <laughs> but but I'm just saying, if you're comparing the weekend that they had to the weekend we had, I'm feeling a little bit better going into the series. Going, okay, we were challenged last week more than they were because trust me, ULM made a challenge. 
So you feel like you you had a little bit more of a test this past weekend than they did. Are they coming in on a 13-game win streak with a little confidence, maybe cockiness? Uh, yeah, I think they are. Now, is that gonna is that any indication that they're going to drop a game or two to us? No, they could very well sweep us. But what I'm saying is that I'm feeling better about us going into a game against them after sweeping Texas State than I would be if we just swept ULM because that really didn't mean a whole lot to me last week. Well, let's talk about that, okay? Look, winning 13 in a row is is an accomplishment. I don't care who you play. But but let's dig into what really went on, okay? In in April, the end of April, April 21st through the 23rd, they went up to Conway. They gave up 15 on a Friday night with Tanner Hall. They gave up 20 on a Saturday. They were well on their way to being swept, and they put together some pretty big offensive uh, explosive numbers in the bottom, in the late innings to beat Coastal Carolina 15-7 to on the Sunday getaway. Then they come home and beat Tulane in a midweek by one. All right, and I know that we've seen Tulane. We know what they have to offer outside of a miracle inning. It was total domination. But let's stay on task. They beat Tulane. Then they beat Louisiana Tech. Now, Say what you want about Louisiana Tech. They're not good. I know they beat us a couple weeks ago, but they beat us because we beat us. Okay? Or, well, week uh, last week in the midweek. We beat us in that game. Just they remember. Won that, they won that game by one at home. Just remember, Louisiana Tech beat them in Ruston earlier, 3-1. to one. So they split just like we did with them. Yeah. The yeah. point I'm making is, is that they're at home at the Pete where they play much better, and they win by one in a midweek. Okay, so that's part of their winning streak. Then they sweep Arkansas State at home. Then they play Tulane again at home. They beat them 10-5. to Then they have South Al at home. 6-4-6-4-6-1, South Al. We all saw what happened against South Al in their park when we went there. Okay, then they have Monroe in Monroe, and they beat them 8-4, 19-0, 6-2. Now, somebody point to me where the impressive win is because there aren't many. And I'm not here to to shit on a team that's on a run. I'm not going to do that. I have a ton of respect for USM. And I'll tell you right now, when we go to Pete Taylor Park, they have gotten the best of us recently. It's not been good. So by no means am I going to say, uh, you know, that we don't, you know, we're going to dominate. That's not what I'm trying to say. All I'm saying is, is that 13 in a row, 13 in a row are not co- uh, all created equally. And a lot of the teams that they beat this past, you know, two and a half months, 13 games, uh, five weeks, six weeks, a lot of those games, we beat those teams too pretty handily earlier in the season. So are they unbeatable? Absolutely not. They struggled mightily on the mound for a, a big portion of this season. USM is going to be ready to play the Cajuns. I'm not sitting here saying we're going to go in there and walk out with a sweep or anything. That's ridiculous. I think this is a big series for the Cajuns. It's time for us to step up in Hattiesburg, go out there and win some games. Two out of three is what the goal has got to be. I mean, of course, they want to try to win every game, but this 13-game winning streak, doesn't it doesn't scare me. I'm not like, oh, gosh, they're unbeatable all of a sudden. I just think that we need to go in there and just be us. Give me something on Friday night to believe in. Give me something on Saturday early to believe in. I think the offense is going to take care. If you look at their numbers, the the ERA is not that good. It's not what you would expect a Southern Miss pitching staff to be giving up. So, Nick, your thoughts on USM, where where you're at with the team, where you're at with the season, uh, your impressions on their team, 
you know, the whole Danny Lynch thing, we can get into that after we give our opinions. Uh, I think it's time that we get some payback. Yeah, it's intriguing. Uh, I think this is more of the one of the more intriguing matchups that we've had in the past few years because it's the last game of the season. I'm assuming that they're replacing our is this is this uh, a rivalry weekend again? Like, is is that what we're doing? I'd much I, rather it be against them than the other school. That's what I'm saying. So maybe they could go play Arkansas State or something. I don't care. Whatever they're playing this weekend. But I, I like, um, look, I like where we are at, at this point in the season versus I think where we're going into Texas State last season. I feel like we're two different places. Uh, but again, this is, I think, look, I think we, we've definitely got to win one. Okay. Maybe win two, but I think we've definitely got to win one game this weekend. Uh, I think we can win two games this weekend. I am not going to push the panic button if we don't. I think I might push it a little bit if we if we get swept, which I'm not expecting that we do, by the way. But I think this team has a little more throwdown than teams in the past that have gone to in the recent past that have gone to Hattiesburg. So look, if if that that guy you know, tries to do his little dance or whatever he did, which is stupid because it meant nothing because nothing was anyway. Um, if that I, dude, all I'll say to, is about that is throw a bat against this team and see what happens. Yeah. If he tries to act like a jack wagon again, uh, it's not going to go the same as it did a few years ago. And, and if their little fans want to hold on to that, I mean, they're paying some guy had like this, this painting of, of this Lynch guy. And I'm you like, you saw that, right? Yeah. What? Because because he hit Hold a up. home run Hold one up. time against us. Time out. He dude. They it's like it's like this? a whole collage of this dude in different angles or whatever. It's weird, dude. It is freaking weird. Anyway, the strange fascination that guy, with that one guy. Besides that guy, um, because that's all they have is is that one moment, and now that's all really they have. Anyway, so um, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think it will. I think. It, Look, I'm not going to say that there's going to be a bench clearing brawl, but I do think it's going to be very intense. I feel like it's going to have a regional type of atmosphere this weekend, and I'm looking forward to that. I think our guys need that. I think we need to be in a in a in a hostile environment against a really good team and see how we respond. That'll tell me a lot about what I can expect going into the Summit Conference tournament. And if we do happen to put a resume together and either get in that large or win the tournament. This weekend is going to show us what we can expect going into regional play. So that's why I think I'm most excited about this weekend, not only for the fact that we can really build our resume for the super, super uh, outlying chance that we do get an at-large bid if we don't win the tournament, but the the fact that... I think that, that's, we, that ship has sailed. Nick. I think I, it has too. I think, yeah. but look, weirder things have happened. But I think, again, just seeing what how we respond in that type of environment is really going to be helpful if, if this were earlier in the season and there wasn't as much riding on it, I don't think it'd be an intent, as intense. But I think both teams have a lot to play for this weekend, and that's what's going to make it fun for me. It's going to be fun regardless. That's what I love about it, and that's why rivalries are important. I can't wait to go. I was telling Jerry today, it was like, I'm trying to do everything I can to get to freaking uh, to Hattiesburg this weekend because, number one, we've made some great friends over there, and the rivalry has kind of turned into – it's morphed into something else. And, you know, I love Keg and Barrel, and I want to go hang out and see see all the folks. It's going to be fun. I want to be in the I wanted to be in the stadium when the most important games are being played. That's what's fun. So you never know. Jerry, go ahead. 
Well, as I've already said it, our postseason starts on Thursday. You have to treat it like a postseason game. Um, you know, you're playing against a team that is one really they are one of the best out there. They're one of the hottest teams out there. Um, to your point about the 13 straight wins, I mean, anytime you have 13 straight wins in baseball, it, it's still impressive. I agree. Opponents. I, I, agree. I but I do think we're going to be their biggest challenge in the last 13 games. I mean, we're obviously their biggest challenge going into this weekend. I mean, more than South Alabama, more than Arkansas State, more than ULM, more than Tulane, and more than more than Louisiana Tech. So uh, if they think that's going to be a cakewalk, I mean, I know they're going to have to get up for this game just like we are because I think we're starting to click at the right time. And in spite of our little mishap in Ruston last week, we've won six out of seven. And we've won six out of seven with great hitting and and somewhat good and, you know, really improved pitching and solid defense. And I think this is the perfect moment for us to go up, make a statement and and play a team that, you know, they've who's created an identity, really created an identity in the baseball world, just like we have. I see a lot of similarities between the two programs. You know, they, they have a lot yep. their fan bases. Both fan bases are very similar. They have a lot of pride. I think. You know, I love the fact that Southern Miss is a new rival of ours. We've always wanted that rivalry. I think they're the perfect school because there's so much we're so much alike. But I also think there's a mutual respect. Um, I think you know, I, I'll you know, as much as we love to beat them, I I do respect them as a program, and I know some of their fans respect us as well. And it just makes it a very healthy rivalry with two good teams just battling it out. And, and so, um, I think this weekend is going to tell us a lot about where we where we are going into the postseason going into you know the conference tournament but in order to do that i feel like southern miss is that sort of gatekeeper for us to determine whether or not if we're going to really see the postseason you know you don't want to go in get swept and lose momentum going into the conference tournament you know you want to be able to win you want to be able to 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 play to play well um and and go into the conference tournament with as much momentum as possible. And I think this is a weekend where we can do it again for the last time. Our postseason starts Thursday night in Hattiesburg. Agree. And look, anytime a team is 24 and four at their own park, that is intimidating. They play well at the Pete, just like we play well at the Teague. They play well at the Pete. Anytime you invade the Pete, you're going in for, for a war. And that's what makes it fun. And as, just as a regular college baseball fan, I'm excited for that. The Cajuns need to win a series. I mean, we have to. Uh, you know, you need to solidify that three seed, if possibly a two seed. You need to solidify that. That would be huge for the for the postseason run that we're going to try to make. But also, it's just time to beat them. It's just time to beat. It's time. You know, and and I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to see what happens. Um, they're also seven and seven against the RPI top fifty. So they've played some good teams, and they've played well against some good teams. And uh, I have a ton of respect for the baseball program. Uh, I don't like the way some of the stuff has kind of precipitated itself after the DJ stuff. Um, and I hate the way that they swept us. You know, that's not fun. But going to Hasbro is going to be a good time. Shout out to Miguez, who's in the space. Uh, please don't steal our content. Uh, but, uh, you know, lots of, lots of good fun that we got going on here. And there's going to be a lot to talk about here coming up. Going into Southern Miss, we're actually trying to get together with To The Top Talk. If nobody's familiar with To The Top Talk, they are the Razor Review of USM. They do a fantastic job. Really like those guys a whole lot, like their content. We're going to try to get to, uh, to get together and put out a standalone episode where it's just us having a conversation about baseball and, and the Cajuns and the, uh, the Golden Eagles and, and see if we can get that done this week. That'll be something coming, so look out for that. 
boys, uh, getting off of baseball, we lost another good football defensive back, somebody that I've been talking about for years, really like Cam Podesclo, and he's going to move on to greener pastures, apparently. Uh, anybody have thoughts on losing Cam Podesclo? I can tell you he's a, a difference maker for our defense. He's a guy that I thought, and I, well, I know for a fact after talking to Mike, was going to be a big part of leadership in the backfield of that defense. Man, that's a tough loss, and I know we talked about NIL and Trey Amos last episode, but man, it's just another it's just another gut punch, and I wish Cam all the best. He's a tough guy. He's a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. I'm sick that we're losing him. Uh, any thoughts on losing Cam Podesclo? Look, I'm, I'm going to say what I said two, three weeks ago, is that grass ain't always greener. I mean, you can go and make an SEC, you know, you can get paid however much to go to an SEC team, but you saw it with Gardner this season. Okay, the guy goes to LSU, and he's just another little fish in a big pond. And he didn't get drafted. Oh, you can and make the I, argument that he hurt his draft. And stuff. I really think, yeah, he hurt his draft uh, prospects. I, I think, look, Osiris Torres, he he had a hell of a, a season at Florida. It could be argued that he, I mean, as dominant as it was, imagine if he'd have been in the Sun Belt. And, and well, again, Nick, Nick, Nick they, they projected him last, the, the year that he left, they projected him as a high second round pick. You know where he got drafted? High second round. What do you know? So, uh, you know, just because you're going to another program doesn't mean you're going to increase your draft stock. If that is, if that is really what you want out of, out of playing football is to get drafted in the NFL, then your chances to me significantly diminish. If you go to an sec, an ACC, whatever program, because you're going to get lost in the shuffle. You might not, you're not even guaranteed a starting spot. Or and here at UL, you will be you will be showcased every single week for 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 the scouts to watch you and dominate your competition. So I it's just it's you know what the the precipice is for all of this? It's money, it's it's illegal recruiting, it's tampering, it's it's dirty and it's going to continue to happen again until it hurts the big boys. And then there's mysteriously going to be some federal law written that, that stops all of this. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just disappointing because here again, you have to fight things like the, I mean, softball was a prime example. You have to fight the powers that be to eat, to host a regional and now, like you said, Jerry, can we ever host a regional again in softball? I don't know. So you got all the cards stacked against you. And now you have got the cards stacked against you in football already because you barely, you all, I mean, literally all the dominoes have to fall perfectly into place for you to even have a shot to potentially be in an NY6 game, not even a championship game, just NY6. And now you're gonna. Now you're just gonna say, okay, well, these teams. By the way, you're just gonna serve as uh, a JUCO for the big boys. As it, it wears you down as a fan, and Josh, I know you said it, and and other people are saying it. It's there's no loyalty anymore. There's money is the, is the factor. 
Again, I've never been in the position that they're in, so I don't know how much money they're throwing at them. But NIL was always supposed to be something that name, image, and likeness. Like, you can go promote a product and you get paid for it. You get paid for the use of your name, your image, or likeness. And now all that's turned into is here's money and come play for us. Again, like we said, the bubble's eventually going to burst, I think. But it just makes it harder and harder for fans of programs like ours who always have the deck stacked stacked against them from the get-go. And now this is just something else that you have to deal with and you have to be disappointed by. Nick, hardcore fans like us who've been, you know, lifelong fans of the program are starting to doubt whether or not you want to continue doing it. And that, look, that look, sucks. Look at the soccer program. Soccer program, we're one of the loudest advocates for our soccer program, women's soccer program. We just lost our best player to Mississippi State. She's going to play in the World Cup. Macharan, her last and name. And what did, what did what did Mississippi State do to develop her? Nothing. Nothing. She was developed not here. Not a damn thing. And now and look, I wish her the best. It's not about the player. It never is. It's about the the it's the system. It's the, it's the powers that be. That's what ruins everything. She's the type of girl that would come here and develop into an absolute star. But because of her talent level and because of the exposure and everything, she's going to go play for Mississippi State who has a really good soccer program. She's going to get paid. And now Mississippi State is going to benefit from her going to the World Cup. And we as fans, we won't. And we as fans are penalized because she's good. Yes. And that's going to continue to happen. So I, again, it just makes it harder to be a fan of the sport and a fan of college sports because the deck is so stacked against programs like ours that I don't know how you ever get out of it at this point. Well, it's not it's not just us. I mean, you're starting to see P5 schools lose players, too, because their NIL deal isn't as grandiose as an NIL deal from another P5 school. You know, when the Notre Dame Fighting Irish lose their starting quarterback to Alabama, I mean, that tells me all I need to know. There's no loyalty even at the P5 level. But so, the difference is, Jerry, is that is that these these P5 teams that are losing players, they, they're buying ours. OK, well, they're recycling players right. is what they're but doing. But they're buying I mean, our players. So then, I mean, we can't go throw one hundred thousand dollars at a guy to come play a defensive back, but they can. So it, well, it's even though they're losing guys, they're replacing them with ours. While that's true, though, I don't think a lot of fans like I've talked. Look, I talked to fans from P5 schools and there's not I mean, most of them, most of them say they don't like it, but they know that it's the name of the game now. So they just have to you have to, you know, assimilate to. to well, it's new, a lot easier when you get the money things. and you can dictate it. Yeah, when they don't the care about the players. They don't right. care about the players. All they want is the championship. That's all they want. They don't care. Right. About and, the players. And, and I mean, look at USC. You know, the most impressive thing about the Tulane win against USC was USC's entire team was bought all the way from Lincoln Riley to their quarterback to any skilled position player you can name. I mean, USC is going to be a huge benefactor of all this with the Los Angeles market by default. If places like Miami were smart, they would use the Miami market by default. If places, you know, in big cities like Washington, down in Seattle, you've got all these, you know, Texas and Austin, prime example, if they were smart, they would they would take advantage of it and, and use that, which they've have already. And so, you know, even a lot of these teams in the P5, even the school across the basin, Alabama, some of these places in smaller markets, you know, it's going to be hard unless they get some corporate dollars in there. It's going to be hard to compete against these bigger cities with more resources like in Los Angeles. Uh, what I find in NIL now is, you know, you're seeing a lot of these athletic foundations at these P5 schools. They're not necessarily creating these funds to or these foundations to 
bring in players, a lot of them are creating it for retention purposes to keep the player from leaving. And if you're creating a model for people and donors to give, not because they want to give them an NIL deal, but they want to give them an NIL deal so they don't leave, then to me at that point, if that's your motive, all to me, all is lost at that at, at, by then because now you're you're basically it's almost like unintentional bribery. You're bribing them so they don't leave. Jerry, they had I mean, they had a college basketball player on, quoted in a major publication. I can't remember where he was from, but he he just went into the transfer portal and transferred out to another school. And he said, "Well, they were going to give me a hundred thousand to stay, but this other school was offering more, so I went ahead and hit the portal." Right. So they're not it, even it, hiding it anymore. No, man. And, and that's the sad part because loyalty is gone. There's no loyalty whatsoever. Um, you look at some of these schools that, I mean, you look at some of these schools like ours. I mean, I hope, this is what I'm hoping for, that G5 schools can actually recruit to now. We talk about Makai Gardner, right, who pretty much could have been a third or fourth round pick if he would have stayed here, goes across the basin, and he's he's an un, undrafted free agent. I would hope that some of these schools can use that as a recruiting tool to say, look, yes, I know you think you're going to get a bigger opportunity at a bigger school, but if your goal is to go pro, you might actually get more exposure playing here at this school where you're more noticed. You're not a dime a dozen at a big school and you have a chance to pad your stats and get better and develop against still good competition where your draft stock can stay where it is. Unlike going to a big school where if you're a cornerback, every cornerback's just as fast as you. They're just as athletic as you. They're just as good as you. And you have to play against the best of the best in the receiving core who might burn you a few times. You want to go pro, pro scouts are going to see you get exposed. What would you rather? You want to play in the Sun Belt and shine or go to the SEC and get dominated by good receivers to where your draft status goes down? I mean, that's kind of what happened to Makai Garner. So, I'm hoping that these coaches can use that, but what's what's the common denominator? NIL. You know, what's more important, getting the hundred thousand dollars now through NIL or having a chance at a future in the NFL? It's eighteen to twenty-two year old kids, man. They're a lot of them are going to chase the money. Well, a you lot know of them have fun? to chase the money because of their situations, man. and they don't have a choice. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's very and you true. know what's funny to me is that true. these all of these fans of these programs that call us poverty and, and we're trash and we'll never be at a level like them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are sure in our players' mentions when they hit the transfer portal begging them to go play for their school. What has changed? Just question. What has changed from the time 24 hours ago when we're no good and we shouldn't even compete and we should just shut down the program to you're begging our players to play for you? What has changed? Every time somebody goes in the portal, they can't wait to try to get one of our players. I love it. All right. It's been fun. I want to give a big shout out to the track and field team. Men finished third. Women finished seventh, which is their highest finish since 2012. Uh, the men had a great showing in South, in uh, well, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Friend of the pod, Jeremy Nelson. Indoor and outdoor triple jump champion. Big shout out to Jay. That's some good stuff. Uh, track and field is on an incredible rise back to where it needs to be. Boys, been fun. A little bit of event session on the softball. Baseball has a lot coming up to look forward to, and I'm excited about it. 
we uh Razor Review Razor Review will certainly be out here somewhere. Don't know if it's gonna be in Baton Rouge. Don't know if it's gonna be in Hattiesburg. It's coming. So get ready. We'll have some special stuff coming up with TTT. Everybody, uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review the pod, share with anybody who's interested in the sport, sports in general. We're going to finish strong this season. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned. Thanks for coming in on a Monday evening. Thanks for sticking with us through the technical difficulties. For Nick, for Jerry, we're out of here.